to another episode of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. So, episode 44. This episode features Matt Landry. Matt is a sommelier based in Vancouver, very well known in the Vancouver wine bar scene. Matt runs the Fiore restaurant in South Granville in Vancouver. It's under the uh, team that brought the Stable House Bistro, and there's also now two Fiores. Matt's also the top psalm from last year, for top sommelier for uh, BC. He also recently emceed the, uh, the event. And we actually sit down and kind of go through a bit of a hot takes, Matt's hot takes on different topics, which uh, was kind of fun. We ended up making them a little bit more in-depth than we, uh, we originally were going to do quick kind of rapid fire, but ended up going a little more in-depth on it. Matt's, uh, Matt's thoughts on a lot of things, very knowledgeable, very well-versed on, on wine, very easy to talk to. As the winner of that uh, BC Top Psalm, he was able to collaborate with the Okanagan Crush Pad, and they put out a wine collaboration with uh, proceeds going to charity. And that's part of our conversation is about that wine. And if you notice the photo on the website that uh, they use for the label, uh, it's um, it's quite quite a funny a funny topic with the photo with him. So that's uh, you have to check out the photo because that's that's where that conversation is from. So we get into uh, a lot of topics off of that, talking about natural wines and talking about uh, pet nats. And the other thing I should mention is I speak about the Metro Vancouver Wine Club. Uh, it's a group in Vancouver that uh, does some tastings. They do some master classes. They do some educational content. Uh, they organize different events and just a fun little group. So I put a link in uh, at the bottom of the of the notes in the episode if you want to contact them or, or join us. Just a fun fun group to hang out with and uh, and taste wine with other people who are who are also interested in, and just passionate about wine. So with all that in mind, let's get right into this uh, episode. You said you've been here at this location not, not that long. Yeah. Um... So, I mean, I started with this group. It was The group was just one restaurant I, when I moved here in 2015 in the Stable House, which is at 13th and Granville. And we opened this place about a year and a half ago now. Okay. We actually opened two, two Fiores in the same year, which don't recommend to anyone. And um, the other one is down like deeper in Kits, 16th and Trafalgar. And this one, which is, yeah. So I've been, I've been the manager here now for just a month. So Okay. Yeah. South Granville is a, is a somewhat sleepy area, like older crowd, and if people are, if people want to go out after ten o'clock, they usually are downtown or on the east side. So our hours are not super late here, which is, suits me just fine. I couldn't do like I couldn't work at like Shambar or something like that where I'm going home at three o'clock in the morning anymore. I'm too too old too old to cross you for that. But uh, yeah, I know. Yeah, and that's the thing about some of those places where you literally are living that lifestyle where you're 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 there till two, three in the morning, and then yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I'm the person who likes to. I like to get up around six, so uh, I sh- I want to be in bed by you know eleven or twelve, not yeah two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny. I, I was asking a few people about possible questions to, to chat with you about. Obviously, the 
the top som, the BC som yeah. uh, competition and stuff was something that was just recent. Um, so tell us about that. Tell us about the experience of that. And uh, well, this the one that just passed. I was the MC. Um, I had won it the year previous on right. my third attempt. Which it's great. It's great. Um, I guess the I would say it's sort of like the Westminster Dog Show for, for Psalms. It really is like a little circuit. It takes about an hour to complete it. It's very rigorous. Uh, I love it. I, I really love competing. I love um, uh, I love being the center of attention for any amount of time. So I really enjoy it. I know some people struggle with it much more, much more nervous. But it is it is mentally taxing for sure. I uh, I remember laying on the couch afterwards after I performed. And thinking like I, if I don't win this year, I don't think I can do it again because it's just the lead up to it is hours and hours of studying, and then the day it's so. Well, especially if they're giving, if they're, if they're throwing audibles at you as well, right? So yeah, I mean that's that's the hard part is is remembering the steps of service while also answering kind of esoteric questions about um, the history of grapes or the AOC rules for different things and. Um, in different years, I did better at certain certain things. I mean, one year I didn't finish one of the the stations just because I got talking and trying to show how much I knew rather than opening a bottle of champagne at the same time. That's really where the the artistry comes in. Yeah, and from what I've under when I understand, I actually was trying to make it on on that day. It was yeah. during the, during the day when I was I was going to try and uh, get out of work, but yeah. I know that they they'll throw a oh you might have a random party of twelve show up. So yeah. have it prepped, ready to go, just in case they show up, and things just random stuff like that. that yeah, throw the, the champagne. They didn't do it this year. Last year, what I did it, it was I had to pour out thirteen even flutes uh, from a magnum. Um, so it becomes a sort of you don't really know off the top of your head how much you should be pouring each one, and you're not supposed to go back and top them up, and you're supposed to finish the whole bottle. Um, so it becomes a sort of quick. You got to kind of vibe it out. Um, that's a hard one. This year they made someone serve from with their left hand, a magnum with their left hand, which uh, I thought was, I can I can barely serve a magnum with my right hand, mm. so. Uh, There's a bit of so, weight behind that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, it's, it's. Uh, I think that this year they had to pair f- a five-course tasting menu with five sparkling wines from five different regions in France. And you're like, ooh, that's thinking on your feet like yeah. can I name five specific producers from five different AOCs so is it a case of that once you've won it that you can't go back in a sense yeah, yeah. I think um, I don't I actually don't know if you insisted if they let you but uh, no one no one goes back no one has so I don't yeah I had a lot of jokes in my MCing about about wanting to to come back and right. compete again but um, but I think I think they don't want you to compete because they want more people to go to the national level which which right. I've uh, committed to now in October Okay. And I think there's five of us now. BC is the only province where it happens every year. Okay. The competition. Um, so in, in October, where they're having it in the Okanagan. Right. I think there's five of us competing from BC. I know Sean's talked about with uh, being in advance and all that about the master, depending when he's thinking about testing and stuff like that. What's what's your thoughts on those kind of? What's your thoughts on? Taking it to that next level, shall we say? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I, I love it. I, uh, I'm taking my advanced in March, and uh, and then hopefully, if I pass that, I will definitely go for my masters at yeah. some point. Um, it's a very hard test. I'm definitely a, a goal-oriented person. I like to have something to work for. Cool. Um, I don't know how much I'd study if I wasn't studying for something. 
you know, pretty dry. Yeah, that's true. I guess if it, you need that, it's like running a marathon or something. You need yeah. that kind of, you need that register yeah. yourself and, and have that motivation, right? I mean, at least jogging, it's you're losing calories, yeah, <laughs> burning calories. But, uh, you know, just, you know, studying the minimum must weights for various sweet wines in France, like unless there's a, some light at the end of the tunnel and you're like, why is this occupying my time? Yeah. It's not like a, it's not like a, a parlor trick or something where you're like, yeah. okay, great. I, every once in a while, I can, I can show my guests or something. But there was, yeah. there's got to be something more than that. Yeah, and then that, I mean, that sort of level of information is so important to the day-to-day life of a psalm. It's really just to differentiate yourself in sort of testing uh, situations. Like, no, I don't. If you even turn, no customer would even understand what the term must wait meant. So. It's just one of those things you know just to know it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There's, no one's really going to want it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, beyond, yeah. There's the basic the basic stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like learning for learning's sake, so it's fine, but uh, you kind of don't yeah. beat yourself up too much yeah. about not remembering yeah. those esoteric things. I want to talk about the wine that uh, you're with your My face your on sweet it. fro and, the, and the, your face on it. Um, it's called Face Juice. Why... Why, um, why? 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 Let's just start why? with why. Just why? Why? Why in the first place? Ooh, a lot of people have asked that. Um, yeah. Why? Why the wine? Why the wine, or why the why well, the style of wine I chose? Why the style of wine? Okay. There's one question. I, I know. I know one of my. I, I belong to the Metro Vancouver Wine Club, who who um, it's just an association that we all hang out and drink wine and stuff. And, and one of the one of the ladies was like, "Why pet nat?" And I thought I said, "Well, for me, it's probably the the nat mat." Yeah, yeah, very long hanging pun fruit. Yeah, yeah, right. Of course, yeah. right. Seriously. And then she's like, "Well, why that style? Why that grape? Yeah. Why you know that kind of stuff?" Right. You know, so this every year the winner of the song competition almost every year gets to make a wine with the Okanagan Crush Pad, and it's a really good initiative. Proceeds go to charity. It's fun. And when I was thinking about what style of wine I wanted to make, you know, some of my friends have made some really nice, elegant wines. You know, they're a little bit more expensive. I felt like that's not really... When people think of me, they don't think of elegance. <laughs> it's not really my brand. So I wanted something that was going to be kind of fun, that was going to be energetic, that was going to be uh, simple, youth-driven. Um, I sound like an old person, just being like, oh, I'm marketing this to the <laughs> I'm marketing to the young people. Yeah, I'm hip. I'm with it. Uh, no, I wanted something that was like... Had some energy and had some... Uh, I've worked pretty hard at the Stable House over the years to, to make my list... Um, approachable and irreverent and I think that's I think that's what more people than not appreciate about my wine list there and I wanted my wine to be like that also that's the best photo that's ever been taken of me and uh, so getting it like a nice drawing rendering of it was great right yeah Yeah. that is my grade 11 yearbook photo in case some people don't know that right yeah that will be the that was gonna be the next question yeah exactly Um, and I mean Pet nats and, you know, pet nats and natural wines and and the rage or the the trends that are now. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it like you said makes it approachable, makes it something that, yeah, is of interest in the current, you know, wine scene, right? Yeah. So, um, Vancouver is pretty getting known now for a bit more of the, yeah. the natural wine styles and the and the, you know, yeah. the different pet nats and whatnot that are out there. So. Um, yeah, I mean, if if someone has been like, hey Matt, here's. Uh, Here's a parcel in uh, Chevy Chamberton. I probably wouldn't have made Pat Mash, but I would have made something more traditional. But uh, 
it, it was great. I, I wanted, in all honesty, my first choice for great was Dolcetto because I wanted something that would mirror the, that weighty fleshiness of Lambrusco. And we couldn't get Dolcetto. And then I knew there was Chiriga in the valley because Mooncursor makes a really nice Chiriga Nassi now. And I wanted something that was going to be dark colored and have some sort of structure to it. I wanted a bit savory, a bit tannic. I wanted it very dry. Mm. And so that was kind of my laundry list of wishes. And so treat, and then they said they could get it. And um, so I was like, yeah, sure, why not? It's funny you mentioned Mooncursor because um, Tess Patterson is one of, one of the members of, of the, yeah. the Vancouver Wine Club and, and she mentioned Mooncursor as, as one of the ones that has one. And it's funny you mentioned Dolcetto because that seems to be one of the new kind of on the rise in the Okanagan for yeah. uh, like Stags Hollow does uses Dolcetto quite a bit and uh, it's one of the I, I just love now it's something I talk about a lot in, yeah. in, in the different episodes where all the varieties that are available in the Okanagan and people are now trending towards yeah oh let's try this let's try yeah. Dolcetto let's try whatever if yeah. it works it works and, and I, I mean I love it the more I mean it's, it's 2020 right more yeah. is more is better I like I like diversity I like um, you know we're not we're not Willamette and uh, I wouldn't even want to be even if we could make that that type of Pinot Noir like I don't want to be I don't want to be known for one or two grapes I'm like the more the better I'm sure the people who live and die by selling wine would rather we had a more of an identity behind a certain grape but yeah. I um I love the fact you know Terra Vista is working with Alborino yeah. and uh, Verdejo and uh, yeah Stags Hollow has Terraldigo and yeah. now the guys I heard the guys at Blasted Church are doing a Terraldigo Lagrine blend and to me that's that's really where my interest lies and in just right. exploring uh, more unique things. Well, and that's and it's funny because um, like I talked with David Tanelis and and he his kind of take on it was. Uh, it's all fine and good as a winemaker, but as the grower, yeah. and you f- you find that your next door neighbor is, is selling Pinot or selling whatever, yeah. and you're selling, I think it's, he, he mentioned something like Gewurz or something where you're making this much and he's making this much, yeah. and it's all fine and good to grow different things, but then sometimes at the end of it, if if the guy beside you is growing yeah. something and making making good coin from that, Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to lecture people who like live and farm and do real, right, real work about. Yeah. Oh, you guys should be planting, uh, you know, pinola out here, because I I would like one bottle every, yeah. every two years or something. I, I'm not gonna yeah. I'm gonna talk down to them that way. Yeah. I, I find it interesting more as a as a buyer, but it, maybe if I was living off the land, I would see it more yeah. their way. But I also just think there's just there's probably too much pinot noir being planted these days. It seems like every new and it's like they're planting in the south which is seems like a bad well, idea well that, that yeah that goes to is it going to work like it's one yeah. thing to it's one thing to plant it is it going to work yeah. and there's certain regions are known are known now for certain things but it, it, like yeah like you said like stick with your Merlots and your, your ones that are going to work in, the, in yeah. your in your certain areas right but also like didn't like we not learn that these regions that sort of ch- chase trends like well this grape's popular now we're going to plant it all and then you know, in thirty years, something else is popped there, and they tear all that out. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they did it all like in Italy, which is my probably my true love for wine. Like, how many like, native grapes have been lost because they just kind of plant Cab and Merlot right. and Chardonnay and all that yeah. stuff, and then now it's this big resurgence of like trying to refine these vines, and there's you know it's three hectares left right. somewhere, and it's just up to Ian Daggett to find them. Um, 
yeah, I, I think it's the same thing will happen here eventually. Right. Yeah, and that's, and I've like I've again I've I've had conversations on appellations and sub-appellations, and you know, are we going the route of, you know, you must plant this and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, it, it who knows in forty years from now what, yeah, what um, they're going to determine on, you know, like I said, appellations and and. Yeah. What I mean, the I laws the, will be, I, right? I love the idea of, of more and more differentiation, but probably not a prescriptive. You have to plant this. Right. And you can yeah. use This label. Yeah. I don't think it'll ever really work. But, um, but I, I mean, the more and more sub labels and sub regions get put on the labels, I, I it's just much more interesting, and it's mm-hmm. much easier to sell. Like, why if you have a list with four Pinot Noirs and they all just say Okanagan Valley, it's like yeah. having something that differentiates them on the label actually yeah. helps. Which makes your job a little easier because then you can try and yeah. niche it down a little bit for them and, and really focus on yeah. on why you're selling it. Because if it's just yeah, like it's just a blanket. Yeah. Okanagan yeah, Valley. This is my Lake County Pinot Noir. Right. This is my Naramata Pinot Noir. Right. And this is my yeah. Right. And then they can look for the differences and all and all yeah. that. Yeah. So that to me is more interesting. Um, but I also realize that I'm as a wine professional, I'm you know one percent of what they're actually selling to and. The average person might not care, right? But, yeah. yeah, you always hear them sort of like, "We're trying to move away from our aromatic white blends and all that stuff," and then every year they come up with a new aromatic white blend. And I get it, like you know, a bunch of Albertan tourists come and they buy it by the case, and it's simple and cheap and fun, and, but it's not uh, inspiring for sure. Yeah. Speaking of Italian wines, how did how did your how did your passion for wine start in the first place? How did your um, Gradually, actually, yeah. I, I don't. I didn't have a, a, an aha moment or aha bottle. Really, I. Um, I've worked in restaurants since I was 17 years old. Never really had another steady job outside of restaurants. Um, I was always, for the first part, I was always doing it to pay for other things. I kind of I started and failed enough things that, kind of, by the time I was like 26, I was either I'll go back to school and start from scratch, or I'll, you know, I had 10 years experience why not become really good at mm. what I've already been doing. So I decided to take it really seriously. And I actually got more into cocktails originally. I was more of a bartender. I met a, I met a guy who was very inspirational to me and uh, went down that road and just so happened that the restaurant I was at, the person who did the wine list left and it came with a very tiny raise. And uh, I, said, I said yes, even though I had no business really saying yes because I didn't know anything. And, uh, and then, yeah, then I was just afraid of making a fool of myself. So then I just studied and studied. And I think I fell in love with uh, the vastness of wine. The, it's like World of Warcraft for people with social skills. You know, it's, it never ends. And you can always learn something. And, and, and it, can be, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can, you can just get hammered and not think about it. Or you can, you can start thinking about geology and religion and politics and history and climate. And I mean, it's, you can get so geeky on it. Yeah. And uh, and I, I I like that I like the versatility of wine. Yeah, yeah, that's you can definitely like you said lose yourself. Yeah. As uh, as you get more and more into it, or or yeah, I mean, or it never, just yeah, tastes never good. Yeah. And then I mean, aside from being like chemically addicted to to alcohol, um, <laughs> I, the community is really nice, and I I've yeah. I've really appreciated that. Probably it sounds hokey, but I appreciate that the most since moving out here and, and really getting into the community and, and meeting people and the kind of people A you're all bound by your, sh- your love of wine but they're also interesting funny people with their own hobbies and that kind of stuff in you right uh, you know we have these lunches and you get to, uh, I love the fact that when you 
if you ever have a really nice bottle of wine, you'll never drink it by yourself. Yeah. The first idea is like, I want to share this with someone or yeah. some people. Yeah. And uh, I have all these, I remember, you know, I'd have all these wines at home and I'd tell my partner at the time, I was like, no, that's, you can't touch those. Like you can't, we can't drink those on, mm. a, on a Tuesday night. That's yeah. for like when I'm meeting wine people. So go to the store and get. Yeah. Two get buck, something. Two buck chai. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the best thing about wine. You know what's funny? Uh, just speaking of two buck chuck, I always thought, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I guess it was, I always thought that was an expression. Yeah. And then I realized it's, it's, a actually, thing, yeah. it's actually a real thing. I just thought it was an expression for yeah. cheap wine. But yeah. I'm like, oh, look at that. It's funny. I, somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody said to me about making making that night memorable. You don't need a, you, you, that makes the night memorable by having that wine. You don't yeah. need it to, you don't need to open it on an anniversary or a birthday. Yeah, yeah. You make that Tuesday night memorable by opening that yeah. amazing bottle of wine. Yeah. And uh, I think it actually was Bianca Bosker who wrote uh, Cork Dork. Yeah. She, I think she was the one who said that that you're making you're making that night memorable yeah. by cracking that that nice bottle. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it, yeah. something like if I thought the kind of bottle I would bring to a wine dinner with wine people versus if I brought it to like someone's house who I like and I, I want I know they are interested in wine but not really wine professionals are two different things you know like uh, there's so many weird little Italian grapes that are only interesting if you work in wine and you know mm-hmm. that they don't they're not around a lot so I might bring a bottle like that to a wine professional but you know if I was my I went to my boss's house for Christmas dinner you know you bring up uh, a nice Brunello or something like that like a nice wine but more of a classic they might appreciate the the yeah. cost of it or yeah. the, the, the gloss of it and then you bring the weird, the weird funky stuff for the people who appreciate the rarity of it and I think also it's it's also where you if 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 your palate for the let's say the average consumer your palate gets used to the cabs and and yeah. straws and stuff and when you taste something that's not that it takes you a while to realize you might actually enjoy this, yeah. Because your t- your palate's used to tasting. Well, I'm I'm tasting this particular, yeah. And all of a sudden, you taste something different, and you're like, oh, do I like this or do I not like this? Yeah. I and mean, as someone who sells, sells a lot of Italian wine, I go most Italian wine, generally speaking, is it's much tarter and more acidic than most countries' wines, and I have to deal with that a lot for sure. You see them kind of pucker up a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of cherry tartness. Um, and that's funny you say that because I so last year I so every, every last couple of years I've said okay this this year I'm I'm hitting more like this year for me is straw yeah I want to hit more straws Pinot's always been my my one yeah. right last year was more just whites generally yeah um, and then I hit, I had a year where it was Italian it was just like okay I'm gonna hit more yeah right and yeah you discover whether or not you like yeah. certain certain grapes or certain you know styles and yeah. um, whether you want that yeah like you said there's that kind of taste profile that that falls falls behind it right so yeah and i mean the hard thing you know it's important as a psalm to realize that as a, as a wine professional we have our preferences but we can see the application of all wine in some thing you know like if i don't necessarily go for uh napa merlot i could see how in certain aspects i it would be pleasurable to serve it with certain types of food yeah, but the average consumer, I, I would say, doesn't think that way. They're like, oh, I only like red wine, or I only like sweet wine, or I only like this. You know, They're much more set in their ways about what they do like, so you have to sort of be creative with how to mm. 
Well, I think, I, generally speaking, most people uh, are open to to being led, um, to being shown something new. I think it's a function of the changing times. I think people are more open to uh, getting out of that. I only do this, or I only do that. And as long as you're respectful, and as, you know, it's kind of a weird thing, like the the BC's top song, like that, that title. It doesn't really mean anything to the people I'm in a tasting group with. Like, they're all professionals. They all are better at certain things than I am. But it, it kind of means something to someone who doesn't know anything about you. And they're sitting at your bar, and I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans, and I don't look like I know anything. If but if you if I said something to them, and then and they didn't know that about me, or if I say something to them and they did know that, that they're 100% more likely to listen to you if you have that kind of dumb title attached mm-hmm. to your name. And I think that's where it's helped our, we have a very small independent business and it's definitely helped uh, us for sure. You cool. Know? And Hawksworth, like, you know, people go in and they expect that the person in the suit knows what they're talking about, so they're more apt to take a suggestion. But in a little place where they come to get some pasta and, you know, that's just by the theater they're not necessarily inclined to listen to what you have to say about wine right. unless they know that sort of they have that little selling tag yeah, or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's go with the easy ones, right? Let's go with the yeah. low-hanging fruit as you say. Yeah, sure. Uh, natural wine. Love it. Okay, like it. Like it. Like it. I don't <laughs> say love it. I like it. Mildly. Mildly. I'm, mildly, I'm, I'm pro natural wine. Yeah. Pro more the merrier. I don't mind VA. Don't really love bread. I, uh, I think it's it's generally for the better. Yeah, yeah. Natural wine enthusiasts. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know, you, you know that. It's not. Is it fair to hate the band because the band's fans? You know. Yeah. Uh, I grew up hating the Tragical Hip because all the guys in high school I knew who loved them, but yeah. they're actually a pretty good band. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, do you want a, do you want a hot take or do you want an actual thoughtful long answer? Uh, a thoughtful long answer is fine. I uh, I think natural wine is doing great things for bringing wine to a new generation of people. I sometimes f- there's like a sort of strand of anti knowledge right. in the in that world where people are like roll their eyes at the fact that you have a green pen and you've done all this time studying and they're like whatever I, yeah. I like this and it's fine I like to say I like this but to sort of the idea that someone's opinion about the merits of a wine or a wine region everyone's opinions equal yeah I, I take take umbrage with that so uh, I think I mean it's it's almost like it's kind of like punk rock right it's it's a reaction to how stuffy and boring wine has traditionally been right but so it's kind of goes too far the opposite way and like I mean yeah. post-punk is much more interesting than punk music so to, to dial it back and find something more interesting yeah and more you know, I, I carry some natural wines at the stable house, but I would never go all natural. I'd find it far too um, conf- uh, confining. Yeah. Um, I think that middle ground is, is, yeah. is important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think, I mean, and depends, like people who go to, the, your traditional person who's going to a restaurant uh, is looking for maybe safe ground, maybe middle ground. Yeah. Um, but. So I get asked about natural wine. Not, yeah. Not, not at Fiori. But at Stable House, I mean, a couple times a week. Mm. And it's usually younger people who ask for it. And it's kind of odd because they kind of start with the natural aspect. They don't start with a grape, a region, a flavor profile. They say, do you have any natural wine? Yeah. 
which is which is funny and I don't I don't always know how to answer that I mean I do sometimes I have a natural wine but it tastes conventional and I, I sort of like oh are they going to like this are they actually looking for more of that lower alcohol tart right. kind of wild flavor um, well and that's it, yeah. and there's I think there's also that misconception where it's automatically assumed that it's healthier or better or yeah. you know it's still alcohol. Yeah, it's, it's still, still it's still wine. Still it's calories. It's still yeah. It's still destroying your throat yeah. and your liver, yeah, uh, and your teeth. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, in uh, in the smallest of relative amounts, it's probably better for you. It's probably better for the world to support small local right growers. And uh, but I mean, it's to me, it, as long as it's good, it's where it kind of almost stops for me. Is that something that you're? Do you focus on that kind of because um, you could focus almost entirely on like organic biodynamic kind of style? No, I never have. Um, uh, it's a nice selling point if someone says, "Oh, this wine is biodynamic or organic." I, I, I might throw it into a tasting note so that customers know, but I don't. I don't really care. I'll probably care in forty years when I'm dying of cancer yeah. or something like that. But uh, I don't. It's not a big selling point for me. Yeah, to me, it's. I've been lucky the Stable House is one of those places where I had complete free reign to do whatever I wanted, which is pretty rare. And I usually used it as a whatever I was studying at the time seemed to, six weeks later ended up uh, overly uh, a larger proportion of my list than it should be. You know, I ended up with like three like Sansos from South Africa. You know, like, yeah. What am I going to do with this? Um, yeah, I've always used it much more as like a way to explore topics. And I've always, the stable is I, I group, I have these small, like a bit more focused sections where I talk about interesting topics or sub-regions or, mm. you know, we have one right now on other Piedmont. So it's it's wines from Piedmont that aren't Nebbiolo mm. or Barbera or Dolcetto. So it's, you know, Pella Verga and Fraza and all that stuff. Because I just find it, there's so many grapes there and I love it. And, and it's so diverse and people just drink Nebbiolo, which yeah. is fine. I love Nebbiolo, but yeah and to me to put it in some sort of educational context rather than just having a stray bottle of Helleberg on your list people doesn't it doesn't mean anything but it means something in the fact that it's beside a bunch of other grapes in that area and you talk about that area and I've, I found that's been really helpful and it's it's a bit of knowledge it's like a spoonful of sugar you mm. know like you get to teach people stuff while also entertaining them while serving them good wine yeah it's kind of my because um, I'm such a Pinot guy yeah. I'm trying to find the let's say the equivalents, right, Norella Mascalese or yeah. Saint Laurent or all these other ones that are like yeah. s- close, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's always my, yeah. um, you know, uh, even Sangiovese or Nebbiolo yeah. or, you know, just trying to find something that, yeah. for me, I'm going to be in that kind of, in that kind of, not safe zone, but yeah. taking what I like about Pinots and finding yeah, it in something yeah. else, right? Yeah. So. It'd be a good actually a sectional menu. So you like Pinot. So you like Pinot. Oh, I want to try something dot, else. Dot dot dot. Yeah, and then it'd be all that. And then it's like, I always thought that would be a good. It would be such a pain in the ass, but to have a list where it's just like, so you like Sauvignon Blanc, right? And then here's the here's the wines you can get that. Are like yeah. That. So you like Chardonnay. Like, yeah. That's exactly. mostly what I deal with. Like I almost always when I'm telling it to my staff, like this is like this grape yeah. so when because so, someone's going to come in and they're going to give the same three maybe yeah. four grapes yeah. that they drink and so having that oh you like Chardonnay guy, boom you like try Pinot this Rigio, one you like yeah. this one um, what would you say yeah. for let's, let's, let's play that game let's play yeah. that game Chardonnay 
Chardonnay. I mean, Shannon. Is Sh- I was going to say Shannon. Shannon. I was going to say Shannon first. Okay. I was okay, so close. South African Shannon, uh, specifically, uh, is a little bit more uh, Chardonnay. Uh, Marsan. Marsan resemblance. Yeah. I think you're usually a good yeah. call for those types of people. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of an Italian grape. Uh, we have a R- Bologna. Grillo? We have a Grillo's probably more made like a Sauvignon Blanc, I would okay. say. Really reductive, really crisp and citrusy. We serve a bologna here, okay. uh, which is a, a Latsian grape, and it's a bit softer, stone fruity, rounder, not quite as acidic as a lot of Italian white right. wine. I th- I, that's used, that's what I use here. It's not a perfect fit for, uh, but yeah. it's, it's got that juiciness and that, that just a bit more body. Right. Um, I got a really so nice. Uh, Arinto maybe from Portugal can can have a, a sort okay. of uh, a shibli like quality to it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I got a really nice Shannon from um, uh, from the Hatch. Yeah, yeah, um, the yeah, it's a good the crown, the, of, crown of crown of thieves. thieves. Yeah, yeah. We were, used to run that by the glass at the table. So it was good. Okay. Yeah, that one does. Re- that one was what I would recommend for a Shannon. Yeah. yeah, if and especially for yeah. local, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I try not to have big, not always, but I try to have really big grapes by the glass because it just kind of find it cannibalizes your list. You know, if you have four weird grapes and then you have Malbec. Yeah. It's like just only going to sell that yeah right. so you got to make them all weird so the person doesn't know and they have to talk to you and then you can kind of guide them but if you give them that out you know, especially italian wine like no one knows how to pronounce anything everyone's afraid they're on a yeah. date they don't want to make a fool of themselves yeah and so if you give someone that out where they don't have to oh i recognize that yeah it's, it's putting a pinot grigio on like unless you mark it unless you like mark it up 700 percent and like that's pays for all your bills like yeah. i can't see the point of it i remember way back like i was probably 18 or 20 I was not into wine back yeah. then and I was drinking like Zinfandel mm-hmm. like rosé like like white skin yeah okay. I was just like but, but that was all I knew yeah and uh, they used to call it pink Zinfandel or something I was like yeah blush yeah, yeah yeah I was like that was all I knew and I'm like you're having steak I'm like sure yeah <laughs> I'm like yeah. I have no idea yeah I, I have no idea I get it yeah I, I, I mean I didn't really drink wine until my mid-twenties probably yeah. I mean we had a, I tried it when I was working but it was never something I, I probably gravitated more to sweet white wine before I got into actual well, you know not actual wine I like sweet wine but yeah serious wine yeah you know, like this sort of I think I, I remember liking Niagara Gewurz demeanor okay uh, when I was like maybe 21 it was under screw I only recommended stuff under screw cap because I was so terrified of opening a bottle uh Luckily, a lot of Niagara's under screw cap. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I remember like some of that early, those types of wine, Chateau de Charme and those stuff. And like, I mean, it's great. It's just yeah. kind of like I grew up drinking Coca Cola. So, yeah. That sweet tooth is like, I'm pre diabetic, I think. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm similar. I'm, I'm uh, I'll, I'll drink Riesling, but it's like, I'll, I'll be like, oh, it's dry, right? Yeah. Just tell me it's dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, uh, one of those grapes I like. And I, but I don't go crazy for it the way that like yeah. the Psalm, I find the Psalms have like three or four of these things I'm just obsessed with. And I like them. I understand their worth, but I, I can't, yeah. I can't get like sherry. I can't, uh, champagne. Yeah. This is this obsession with like all Psalms have to yeah. measure their genitals by the, the more they know about some obs- like nutty oxidized fortified wine. Yeah. I don't get it. There's a, I think it's Haynes, Haynes Vineyard. 
They do like uh, Riesling, but it's it's been uh, yes yeah, oxidized. It's uh, it's um, it's probably like ten years old when they like when they finally yeah. actually release it. It's like so it's like a two, BC? yeah. Okay. I think it's a two thousand nine or something like that. Yeah. And but it's it just tastes like uh, like. Uh, yeah, like really ripe a- apple and kind of like overripe, yeah. kind of like bruised apple kind of thing, right? And uh, yeah. it's, it's Oxi- just, it's too, for me personally, it's too much, right? Yeah. Like it's... Oxidative characters, I, I much prefer more reductive, like in Champagne, I, I prefer um, like Ruinar style to, you know, Alfred Gratin or something. Like I like fruit, like a linear quality to it, mm. necessarily than like this kind of really rich biscuity kind of get like yeah, chew through the wine sort of quality yeah and like fino sherry is one of those things i just can't i can't i i get shunned by professionals all the time for my take on fino sherry mm-hmm. I, inter- I it's interesting i've never drink it well the other thing about riesling is uh sometimes that kind of petrally you get like that petrally yeah. kind of uh characteristic which i don't mind yeah. um and you'll see that in other like you see that in, in other things right yeah. and so i don't mind that in other ones as well so yeah um, but yeah. yeah, it's weird how people. I would prefer like a classic, like Mosul, like a cabinet riesling over okay. something like a like a newer dryer, like right. a, like a GT sort of, like t- like Tantalus or uh, Le Sincremesh or somebody like that. That uh, yeah, I mean both. I like both those wines. I, yeah. I know both those people, so I don't want to be nice. But um, I would I would probably my style of wine I'd gravitate more towards um, Sincremesh in terms right, of like yeah. sweetness levels, and um, like I, I I like Claire Valley riesling, but I would almost. I, it's almost rips your face off. So yeah. yeah, I like generally richer whites. If I was going to pick white. Well, that, and that's another topic is acid. Is yeah. I don't want to go too long, but uh, acid is sometimes, like I said, it's it's amazing to a point, and then at mm-hmm. some at some point, it's just like like yeah. you said, it's just like your tongue is on fire, right? Like it's, if you yeah. feel like you've literally dipped it in an acid bath. Yeah. And uh, but acid I love it generally. I love acid in, in wine. Yeah, and it's a fun. It's a fun it's funny you don't want to use that word for a table like no matter how many times you like try to like oh it's acidic and they're like oh i don't want that yeah like, no that's a good thing I it's a good thing it's a good thing yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's almost like you need a different word for racy i say racy or fresh racy yeah fresh fresh yeah. yeah zesty zesty all these things yeah citrusy zesty kind of yeah yeah it's code it's like calling something food wine it means it's code for you don't like it, it yeah it's it's code for like eat shit. it with a mouthful of food <laughs> or drink it with a mouthful of food at the same time yeah. cool thanks very much appreciate it yeah yeah okay. yeah awesome is that enough rapid fire questions for you yeah i i kind of lost topics on, yeah, along okay. the we way ra- there we rambled yeah we did i think we're going to leave it there for now thanks for listening for more wine conversation and podcast updates you can follow us on instagram at ian's wine truths check out our website for Great photos of our guests, friendsofthevine.podbean.com. Take care. Have a blast for me.